Are you ready to break free from a conventional life and achieve financial independence through your version of tiny living, but you're feeling stuck trying to figure out the money part? Does the pressure to conform to societal norms make it even more difficult to embrace an unconventional lifestyle? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Laura Lynch, host of the Less House, More Moolah podcast, where every Thursday I'll bring you captivating interviews with individuals who have successfully made the transition to tiny living. They defied expectations and are thriving in their unique lives. We'll also dive deep into industry resources to address common financial concerns on your tiny journey. Together, we'll explore the emotional and practical aspects of pursuing an alternative lifestyle. I will describe a clear framework for project planning and cash flow management. Our goal is to intentionally build financial security and make a positive impact through our alternative American dream. So gear up for an exciting and empowering journey to create a life that truly resonates with you. Let's dive into today's episode and take the first steps towards financial independence and purpose through tiny living. Hey, John Dowdy, thank you so much for joining the Less House More Moolah podcast. I'm super excited to have you here today. You and I met at a tiny house show a few weeks ago where you were sharing your expertise with the tiny house community. So thanks so much for being a guest today. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, it was great to meet you there. Um, a lot of great people you know, at the show. I love being involved in you know, the shows and stuff like that. So yeah, it's always good to meet new people and learn new ideas. Yeah, so you are the president of Sevens Transport. So tell us your backstory and your professional experience with this whole transporting thing. So I've been transporting trailers for about 15 years since I was a teenager. Uh, so I was always had a passion for it. I actually started out doing landscaping and construction, you know, hauling equipment and stuff to the job sites. And I had such a passion for it that I started a transport company back in around 2015. So I've been doing it personally about eight years now. Started out, you know, just doing RVs and boats and stuff like that, different type of vehicles. And it was around the same time when the tiny house market started to explode. So we picked up tiny houses and, you know, went from there. And to date, personally, I've done over 100, 120 tiny houses personally as a driver. Uh, but my company has probably done over 400 of them total. Wow. That's amazing. So when did the tiny houses come on your radar? Was it someone called you up out of the blue and said, hey, can you move this thing? Or how did that become an important part of your business? Well, like I said, we had started doing a lot of RVs. Um, and then I got a call to do a tiny house. And I'm quickly, now I've seen them on, on TV and stuff, but never they had done one at the time. And so, you know, it was a learning experience at first, but, you know, we fell in love with it. And, you know, they asked us to move one. And, you know, once we started moving them, we kind of saw why they were calling us because it's not really a DIY type of thing. You definitely <laughs> want to hire somebody to do it. So, you know, but with our experience, we were the perfect fit for it. So we just, you know, took it on from there. Awesome. So tell us more about the idiosyncrasies, the very specific parts about moving a tiny house as opposed to an RV or a boat or something else that people might be used to towing. Now, a lot of people, it's a misconception just because it has the same type of hitch style, like a, you know, a regular ball hitch or gooseneck hitch. A lot of people think you can just hook up and tow it like a regular towable RV. But the difference is 
they're, they're built so robust, you know, using household materials instead of fiberglass and stuff. So they're a lot heavier, a lot taller, and they catch wind a lot easier. So we run into a lot of situations where going highway speeds or high winds, you get a lot of sway with it. And, you know, for the average person who's not used to dealing with that on a day-to-day basis, once the wind starts making the trailer sway, they don't really have the experience to counter it. So, you know, I, we're experienced with it. We do it all day. So, you know, we know how to handle them going down the road. So that's why another reason I said we recommend, you know, professional help when it comes time to moving it. Um, and also with design. So weight distribution plays a big key in making it easy to tow. So depending on who built the tiny house and how they designed different rooms and the appliances, in some situations you're running into a lot of the weight being at the rear and not that much tongue weight. And in cases like that, it increases the sway in the trailer because you have to have an equal distribution. You want kind of a good amount of tongue weight to kind of keep the trailer balanced. When you have a lot in the back and not as much in the front, it's a, it's a recipe for sway. So that's another, another factor. That's so interesting. Do you, in your experience, do RV manufacturers do a better job of distributing the weight or is that something that's been refined over time? And maybe in tiny houses, the builders aren't thinking about the towing so much. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are, I mean, with RV corporations, they're pretty big. You know, they pump out these things by the hundreds, by the thousands. And, they, you know, they probably have testing sites and t- testing facilities where they can, you know, test that type of stuff. But a lot of the tiny house builders, some of them are small businesses, maybe, maybe not even pumping out that many of them. So they don't have the facilities to test them. And also, some of them just don't think about it. They think of more design and how to make it, you know, as nice looking as possible. And they may not think about design. And so that comes into play with your floor plan. You know, making sure you put, like I said, you put the right appliances where it's supposed to go and make sure the weight is where it needs to be. Yeah, that makes sense because the tiny home builders are really focused on what the client wants from a layout perspective. And they're not necessarily thinking about it being towed on a regular basis. Now, from what I've seen on your website, you all are only doing sort of tiny house on wheels that are either require no permit or require have wide load, but you're not doing the modular ones yet. Is that right? So we, we do the legal size and the oversized. Mm-hmm. We stick mainly to the ones that are, you know, built on trailer frames. Mm-hmm. The modular homes, we don't really get into those. It, it, it all boils down to classification. So like your regular, you know, mobile home or trailer, you know, that somebody lives in, we don't really move those because they're classified different. Mm-hmm. But most tiny houses on wheels in this community, their they're registered as RVs, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that we can we can tow those. And we're actually opening up a new sector where we're going to start doing the ones without wheels. Because uh-huh. uh, a lot of our a lot of our partners are, are starting to roll out product lines that don't have wheels that aren't built on trailers, and so uh-huh. we will be able to accommodate those. Yeah. So when you and I met each other at the show, you were talking about how you have developed some pretty good relationships with the builders. Who is it you normally hear from first? Do you hear from builders mostly who have buyers, or are you hearing from individuals that need their tiny home transported? We hear from a mixture of both. Um, a lot of tiny house manufacturers reach out to us directly just because when they find somebody that they like to use, they like to stick with them. 
instead of using a bunch of random different drivers, because like I said, this is something that you have to have experience for. And even for the regular professional RV hauler, this is a whole different ball game. Tiny houses are a different breed. So it's very hard to find a company that specializes in tiny houses and that can handle them, you know, safely. So we get a lot of calls from manufacturers. That's where most of our repeat business comes from. But we do get, you know, the private clients that may, you know, buy one online or buy a private party and we will move it that way as well. Yeah, it's so funny. And the people that I've been talking to in the last several weeks, I'm getting this question a lot about, you know, I'm thinking about buying some land in where North Carolina, wherever, and, you know, where do I get a tiny house from and how do I get it there? And I'm like, oh, this is so interesting because people are really, you know, thinking about all the steps of the process. And because they haven't talked to a builder yet, they don't even know how it's going to get from A to Z. So I, you know, I'm glad to know you and to know that that is such a specialized area that you focus on because people are going to need it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And a lot of people don't think about it. I'm not going to say until it's too late, but, you know, they'll order it. And be like, okay, I'm going to get it. I got my property. And they're like, wait, how am I going to get it? Well, you know, <laughs> and, then they, and they call this kind of last minute. But, you know, we're used to working under pressure. So even if a client calls us with a last minute move, we, we get it handled. Um, so it's, you know, we help, help walk customers through the process from beginning to end. So from the time that it comes off the production line, you know, we can give you advice on, you know, how to prep the site, you know, what you should expect, how to have the limbs and stuff um, trimmed back for the property so we can get in and get good access. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. So you mentioned to me before we started recording that you're going back and forth across the country. What kind of distance do you cover? We cover the entire United States. I mean, all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii, we ship to. Holy cow. How do you, have you moved a tiny house across the ocean? How does that even work? So we have a couple clients um, that have properties. Not, they're doing like resort style properties out there in Hawaii, also in Alaska. And we'll ship it to the nearest port. So we ship it via land, via truck, uh, to the nearest port. And then from the port, it goes on the ship overseas uh, via sea freight. And then they have to have somebody receive it on their end from the port. So it's, you know, it's a couple parties involved. You know, moves like that are definitely projects, uh, but, you know, we, we accommodate them. That's so amazing. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> that's, that sounds pretty complicated. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. When I say we ship to Hawaii, Alaska. People are like, how do you get it there? But it is, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we put it on the ship. Uh, we have a couple partners that we work with, uh, a couple uh, sea freight companies, and, then, and we'll, you know, forward you to them and they'll give you the quote on their shipping and then we'll put the pieces together and make it one transport. So interesting. So how do you charge for your services? So that's a very popular question. Uh, it's a lot of variables involved from the weight, the size, the location, a bunch of different things. So we take all these into consideration because, I mean, if you're shipping from a major city or, or you know, a popular state to another major city, your price is one thing, you know, but if you're, you know, Montana or North Dakota or somewhere where it's not a lot of population, you know, we have to charge because it's not that much moving around because when we're moving your tiny house, we're also moving somebody else's after and before yours. So, you know, we have to connect the dots. So if it's in a rural area, we have to adjust for that. Uh, but we take those variables, like I said, weight and size and stuff, and we bundle it in and come up with a per mile rate. And we try to stay pretty competitive and make sure it's fair and affordable. Awesome. So 
My tiny house is located in a pretty rural place and kind of up a steep road that we built and it's it's tough to get to. So what kind of challenges have you seen with placing tiny homes in kind of tough to get to spots? Yeah, that's very popular in the tiny house community because most people don't want to take a tiny house and park it in the city. You know, they want, you know, seclusion. They want to be somewhere rural in most in most cases. So that is something that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. But the way we overcome that is we ask for pictures and videos of the site. That way we know what we're getting into before the driver gets there. Uh, you know, we give advice on cutting limbs back, you know, making sure the easement is wide enough, stuff like that. Uh, also traction. So you want to make sure that it's, if it's not paved, it needs to be either gravel or compacted dirt, something that we're not going to spend tires on. And so things like that, we just, like I said, it's a project. Every move is a, is a project. So we make sure, you know, from A to B, A to Z, you know, we let sure make sure that the, the client knows everything they can be expected. And it's only been about maybe two or three cases out of the hundreds that we moved where we couldn't get it in the exact location. And then there are alternatives that, you know, they have these little equipment rentals that you can rent. Uh, I think they're called a dingo. It's almost like a small skid steer. And sometimes you can rent those locally and they can maneuver into the small tight places. But like I said, in our career of doing this, I've only seen it maybe two times we couldn't get it in the spot that they, they, they wanted it. What is your favorite tiny house transport story? My favorite, uh, so many of them. There's so many of them. Um, I, I tend to resonate with the ones that didn't go so well. So I, <laughs> I've had a few where they were poorly built. And I mean, I'm talking roof panels fly off sometimes if they're not built correctly or, you know, the siding. And that's very, that's what we're very particular about moving used units. You know, if we're moving a used unit for you, we're going to ask a ton of questions. We want to make sure it's road legal, make sure the lights work, the tires are good, you know, that it's not 20 years old and been sitting there riding. Uh, because this thing is going down the road at 70, 65 miles an hour, you know, so it's, it's got to be, it's got to be built for it, you know. So uh, I would say that those those transports probably stick with me the most. Uh, I had one recently where, you know, they had put vinyl siding on it. You know, most of these are built with uh, hardy plank, which is a, like a, a cement type board, which is very durable. But this particular one had vinyl siding on it. And going down the road, it just started flying off. You know, I tried to, I started Home Depot and got some boards and tried to screw it on and get it, you know, get it intact, but it, just, it didn't work. So. It's very particular and very important to do your research on the builders to make sure they're building quality units that will actually make it to your place in one piece. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of variations as the the industry becomes more standardized and, you know, NOAA gains steam as far as their inspection certification process. But I'm sure that you're still towing for people that are building their own and maybe there's a lot of variability there. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, a lot of times I can tell from pictures, been doing it so long that I can look at the pictures and tell, you know, how it's built or some red flags if I see any, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, maybe if it has shingles instead of metal roofing and how the shingles are laid, you know, you know what kind of siding it has and different things like that. So, you know, we work with the client. We don't just, you know, hang them out to drive. We make sure that we walk through the process and point out anything that we may notice. Mm-hmm. So what are the key questions and concerns you hear from your customers as you're about to tow their their house <laughs> across the country? I say a, a big one is, is site prep. They want to know, you know, hey, I want this in my backyard. You know, can you fit? So, you know, we let them know if there's a fence, 
the defense may have to be removed depending on the size of the opening. You know, we would prefer to have a few feet on each side of the fence. I mean, the average tiny house is about eight and a half foot wide. So, you know, ideally you want at least like 11 or 12 foot opening, you know, things like that. Also insurance, they want to check that, which is very important. Honestly, mm -hmm. more people should ask about insurance than they do because um, that's very important when choosing a hauler. You know, so if that's asked of us, we can provide certificates. And so just, I mean, we don't really get too many crazy questions from clients. It's, it's mainly about the site, the site being prepped and how to prep it. And another thing they ask for is um, the steps. A lot of tiny houses, especially used ones, when they're like in an RV park type of setting, they'll have stairs that they have attached, you know, like temporary steps. Mm -hmm. And they ask, can we carry them? In some mm -hmm. cases we can, but a lot of our trucks, either they don't have pickup beds on them, or they have you know fuel tanks and hitches and equipment in the back of them, so we can't necessarily take a bunch of extra stuff that you may have. So you know that either needs to be disassembled and placed inside, you know, and packaged, or you know find an alternative to carry the bigger stuff. Sure. So one of the attractive elements of a tiny house on wheels is the notion that you can move it from place to place to place, kind of like an RV. Are you finding that you have customers that are moving their tiny house from place to place to place as they explore the country or move around? That's pretty rare. For RVs, that's very popular. But for tiny houses, most of the time when a customer places it somewhere, they leave it there. I say less than 5% of our clients actually move them a second or third time. And if they do, it's, you know, like a year or two later. Right. Uh, we've had a few travel nurses that have moved them a few times here and there. But for the most part, you know, they keep them there for at least about a year or so. A lot of our repeat moves are mainly for manufacturers. We move show units, you know, to different conventions and festivals. And those are really the only repeat moves that we really see. Gotcha. So... You've been around in the tiny house industry for a while. Share your perspective in terms of the growth and what types of people are going tiny. You mentioned travel nurses. Like, what have you seen in the time that you've been working in the tiny house community? So I would say I see a lot of minimalists, you know, because it takes a certain type of person to appreciate going tiny. You know, society has it where, you know, Everything, everything bigger is better, you know, but in, in some cases it's not. And especially, you know, if these tiny houses have all your necessities on a smaller footprint for a fraction of the cost of traditional single family homes. I would say that um, it's, it's definitely it's definitely making a move. And I, I would say that a lot of the people we see moving these are minimalists um, or either, you know, people who want to put them on their property for their in-laws or for their kid in college to help sure. save some money. And then besides that, you know, besides the, the personal, you know, customers, we have the, the business and, and investors who are buying them for rental properties and building resorts and, you know, for, for income. And that's very lucrative business as well. Yeah, awesome. So has your involvement in the community and what you've seen shifted your perspective on housing and kind of what you see as the norm? Definitely. And definitely in the past year or two, seeing what the housing market has been doing, I definitely see uh, an edge on it, you know, as far as an advantage for tiny house living, mainly because of the cost. And I mean, I, I have, you know, a good amount of children and we lived in a fifth wheel and for about a year, you know, on and off. And it can be tough, but it can be done, you know, and for the fraction of the cost, it's, it's worth it to me. So it just depends on your, on your situation. 
but I definitely, definitely see the advantages of going tiny. Also, you know, being connected to nature. Most of these places where these people are putting these tiny houses or in remote areas or in areas, you know, in nature, and, you know, that in itself is a benefit, you know, being away from, you know, the hustle and bustle of big cities. Mm-hmm. So yeah, since I've been hauling them, I, I definitely have leaned towards more of uh, maybe considering living in one myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely changing people's perspective a lot since it's become so popular. The tiny house community, like the actual neighborhoods of tiny houses seem to be growing a lot too. Are you seeing a lot of movement in and out of some of these tiny house communities that are popping up? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of movement in them. Most people who are these tiny house communities, you mean as far as like the parks and places like that? Yeah. So yeah, and and when people find a good park, you know, they want to stay there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm finding that when people find a good part that they like and like the community atmosphere, you know, they definitely want to want to stay there for as long as they can. Yeah, for sure. So we definitely want you to share where people can find you and find your work. But is there anything else that you would like to share about your business and how you're helping the tiny living community? Yeah, I, I want to encourage people to do their research. That's the big thing in this community is doing your research with your local, you know, town and city with your ordinances, your bylaws and your zoning to make sure that you can actually put this thing where you want it. And also do your research on your builders to make sure that the builder that you're going to choose, you know, they're building quality stuff, you know, they're keeping up on the time frame that they say they're going to want to do. Uh, so I, I say that's a big part of it. And um, as long as you do your due diligence, just like any other real estate, due diligence is key and like i said as far as the transport goes unless you're very trained you know maybe years of cdl experience hauling those you know, semi-trailers i wouldn't recommend doing this yourself and it's pretty easy to get a quote from us um uh, you can find us online we have a facebook instagram or on google so i mean we're not hard to find and we have a website as well so you know yeah if anybody needs even just questions on the transport process and how it works, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that your website is in the show notes, John. Thank you so much for talking to us about moving tiny houses around the country and across the ocean. That was fascinating. (laughs) And uh, we'll definitely make sure that people know how to reach you. And thank you for those key tips because it is an area where people have to do a lot of research. And I think the municipality regulation thing is still moving and changing so fast that it's hard to keep up. Um, But you have to make sure that your tiny house is going to be in a place where it can stay and uh, you don't want to have to move it multiple times. So thanks for that key tip. No problem at all. Good speaking with you. I hope to talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, John. All right. Thanks. Well, that's it for today's episode of Less House, More Moolah. To access valuable financial tips and resources tailored to your tiny living journey, join our exclusive community at thetinyhouseadvisor.com. Here you'll find a supportive network of like-minded individuals committed to helping each other navigate the challenges and celebrate the victories of embracing a minimalist lifestyle. So don't miss out on the opportunity to be part of this empowering tribe. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for another insightful episode of Less House, More Moolah, where we'll continue to explore practical solutions 
and inspiring stories to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Please see the show notes for important disclosure regarding the Tiny House Advisor LLC and this episode.